Good evening, friends. Welcome back to the front porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? Pretty good. How about yourself, Dennis? On you're back from your big trip, right? Yep, I'm back home. I'm on my normal setup, and not my very small, low quality travel mic I was using last <laughs> week. Apologies for the sound quality on last week's show. But, you were uh, out and about in the world. I think did you? I can't remember. Did you mm-hmm. record it on the road, or were you in a hotel at that time? I was in a hotel at that point, but I mean, sort of on the road, but not not driving like people who record YouTube videos from their car or so, whatever. So, ca- so catch up, uh, people who missed last week. What what were you doing this week that was a little different? Uh, last week, I um, so what I did. Boy, this is a whole this is a whole complicated thing. For the last six months ish, from around the time that we finished the house to sold it and all that stuff. I've been looking into um, traveling, uh, uh, RV or van kind of life, full-time, part-time kind of things that people do. Um, said this on the show, but I I have been working from home for the last 10 years, not just because of COVID. And um, I thought, you know, I could be doing the same things that I'm doing now as far as work and, and you know, social socializing online with people, but also be maybe seeing some of the country since we can't travel internationally right, right yeah. now. Um, and one of the things that I was considering is an RV rental company sells their used units after about four years. And... I thought that seems kind of intriguing because they're relatively um, um, bargain priced because they have a lot of miles on them. And the same company um, had has going right now, and I thought they would all be in March, but there are some into, into next month. Um, they have bargain deals where you can rent their brand new units very, very inexpensively to the tune of like a quarter of what they normally cost per night. Um, the catch to that is that you have to rent them from one location and drop them off in another. It's you're paying to, to rent the RV very cheaply because you're delivering it from, you know, in, in, it happens to be up here in Northern Indiana is where a lot of RVs and campers are manufactured. Um, and if you know anything about the U S a lot of the camping and usage of those campers is out west where all the national parks are right you know i i I just imagine Um, somebody at corporate headquarters of those people sitting down in a brainstorming session how do we get these over there because it's going to cost us a ton of money i know bob let's have somebody pay us to do it right (laughs) yeah the, the the concept of it seems fairly ridiculous but really um to rent one of these new models right now is somewhere in the neighborhood of $80 a night. Mm-hmm. They're not cheap. Um, and I paid 20 a night. So, good. you know, I still, had, I still had to pay for gas and everything, but I got use of a brand new RV right. for a little over a week for like, like 150, 170 bucks by the time all the That's cheaper than most hotels taxes and stuff were. Yeah, I mean, I did still have to pay for campgrounds wherever yeah, right. I wherever I stayed because I had to I had to plug it in to run the heater because it is still March. 
uh, up here. But I picked up an RV in Chicago, uh, east or west of Chicago, um, and delivered it to Salt Lake City, Utah. Salt Lake. How, how and is I was Utah in Salt these days? <laughs> um, well, I was only there one night. <laughs> uh, there was there was a lot of traffic in the city, <laughs> but still not like it wasn't like driving through Chicago. So. Um, there's that, but I stayed, actually I was in Salt Lake City two nights because the night that we recorded the podcast, I was in a hotel in Salt Lake City. All right. I've never been, I've never been um, before. I have been once back in like 13, one of my coworkers lives out there. And so I stayed with him one night and then the second night got a hotel so that I would be close to the airport to fly back because obviously I was in Utah with no car. <laughs> I had to fly back to Chicago. Right. Yeah. Oh wait. Um, yeah. How did you? And get so back? that's, that's right. so what, your car was in Chicago. Is that what it was? Or oh, mm-hmm. okay. yeah, my car was at the RV rental uh, place. So I had to fly back and then get a get a lift out to the out to the RV. What, place. Was was America beautiful as you were driving past it in the in the cold time of March? I mean, some places are more affected by the seasons than the other than than others, right? Like. Um, you know, out west where it's mostly just like scrub brush and mountains, um, it's actually more picturesque in the winter because as I get close to um, uh, western Wyoming and whatever that mountain range is there that you go over, I had to go over the mountains to get into Salt Lake City because it's, a, it's this big valley. Um, um, there, you know, there's just this mountain range and there's all snow up on the peaks All right. beautiful um which is which is really nice um the first campground i stayed at was in illinois and it's you know they're trees with no leaves but there's still snow on the ground and everywhere i stayed was really quiet you know almost nobody there because most people are not crazy enough to go rb camping in march <laughs> right right um you know it was very cold i had to um you know some people will stay overnight in an RV in like um certain businesses will let you do that in their parking lot like Walmart I think a lot of Walmarts will do that or um Cracker Barrel uh truck stops and and rest stops people will will do that kind of thing um none of that was an option for me because I needed to um plug the camper in to run the heater overnight mm-hmm. uh it would it would run the heater for a couple hours on battery but not all night and so it was either plug it in or run the generator all night uh which i didn't really want to do um and so i did have to go to a campground or rv park uh every night which was just a different challenge like i've never camped in an rv before um and so just kind of take it day by day i would work in the mornings and evenings and then drive three or four i think the longest drive was close to five hours and that was going across utah it was very windy and i was you know kind of nervous driving the rv because it's tall and not very heavy and so it just got buffeted by the wind uh pretty pretty strongly and so what i thought was was going to be like a three and a half hour drive turned out closer to five because um i just drove much slower that day um but uh so yeah. good good, good a, trip it sounds like though 
a little a little bit of an adventure had its ups and downs but it was you know from the outset it was um you know a sort of experiment or or kind of fact finding thing i wanted to see how i felt about you know doing this in general like could i get good enough internet to work if i had to tether from my phone and you know did i like these these units this this kind of style of rv in general um and yeah so successful in that way like i knew there were going to be ups and downs and there definitely were um literally and figuratively um <laughs> right yeah. but uh yeah it was it was nice you know i would i'd wake up earlier than normal because you know the it's it's light out and um went to bed earlier than normal just because i was doing more in the day physically even if it's even if most of it was just driving it's still you know more a little more stressful and taxing than i than i normally do so i wasn't you know wasn't dealing with as much insomnia as i normally yeah. do and uh, i I, yeah. I uh i remember the the mountains when i first time i went out going west driving seeing those and thinking you know oh those are you know the, the white rocks on the top of them because I, I mean i knew that mountains have ice on them and snow of course mountains do there's snow topped mountains right but it's the middle of july mm -hmm. uh and and it's 90 degrees outside when i'm looking at them and then when you drive up there and it's still very warm and the thing says 65 degrees you're like you know that's just white rock and then you see that it's actually snow out there because in the shade mm -hmm. it's like 30 degrees and at night it's 25 or something <laughs> it's like it's crazy because the air is so thin and just a whole different world um but yeah, it's it's super it you know super cool when you go out there. It's, it, I think it's funny when you get to travel cross country. America is a pretty good pretty good sized country, and you get mm -hmm, such mm -hmm. different you know understanding that the geography of the world is different from living here than living anywhere else. You know, you you think that your area yeah. of the world is yeah. just like everywhere, and it's really not, right? You know, it's really not. It's just yeah. so different. Um, so another thing happened when you came back, you didn't actually go straight home, right? We had our game weekend this weekend. <laughs> yep. Yep. I, and I don't really regret this part of it though. It was kind of strange and everybody I told about it was like, why did you do that? I mean, it was a little bit of, um, what Fox said last week, kind of making an event, um, out of the weekend. And I, what I did was I got a hotel in Chicago after I picked up my car and stayed there for the duration of our board game weekend, which was three nights, mm -hmm. um, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then drove back home yesterday. Yeah. That, that's, that was a long trip to two, two big events to drive out there or three, I guess there and the flight back and then the, the weekend of gaming yeah, and then finally yeah, making do, home. I bet you just collapsed on your bed when you got home. I mean, almost I, I was awake my normal kind of length of time but i was a little bit of a zombie uh, uh all day Man, I, you got home on saturday right or i mean on sunday sunday on sunday yeah that feels like yeah and after a, a week at gen con when you're just you're just done i i always take kind of yeah and after you know after years of doing gen con and icg con and even to a certain extent last fall when we did this online thing again i don't know what uh, possessed me to kind of do this travel thing, right? I mean, I know why I made the decision. I thought that the RV deals were only going to last through 
uh, late March and actually I had family, we had family who were supposed to come uh, uh, this past weekend and stay for the week and they ended up postponing to Easter weekend because I wasn't going to be here for a couple days. Um, and so I could have done it like this week after game weekend. But, um, you know, I, it, it seemed to me like a limited window of what uh, what routes they had available. And so I wanted to take advantage of it. And I'm like, well, if I do this, then I come back to Chicago. I, I was I was intending to do the hotel thing for game weekend anyway. And I'm like, well, I'll just I'll just do these things together. And then some point around like Saturday afternoon doing games weekend, I was like, boy, I needed I needed to not be coming off of another big thing doing this doing this because I was just so exhausted. I bet. Oh man. Well, my mine was my experience was a little different because that it Sydney left and this weekend to go to to visit her mom, so. I have an empty house, mm-hmm. no kids and stuff. So I, my game weekend was reserved for just games, and it was a nice, peaceful kind of weekend for me. So I, mm-hmm. unlike you, with lots of stress and anxiety, mine was definitely the opposite of that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's the that was the impetus behind doing the hotel room things. I was like, I wanted a quiet space to myself. Not that you know it's all that uh, intrusive to to be here with my family, but to just have the have all the time to myself and you know I the hotel room had a little kitchen ad and I made a couple of meals and um all that good stuff but yeah oh, that's good. So you want to talk about this weekend a little bit of stuff we did played a little bit of this played a little bit of that did some games 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 Yeah, we played a lot of um a lot of board game arena. I don't know I don't know that I played anything that I hadn't played. I did play Quetzal, which I had not played before. Lovingly, lovingly called I, Quetzal by our group. I I was looking those games up earlier because I was editing last week's show, and uh, Board Game Geek has um, automobiles with a higher complexity weight than Quetzal. Oh, you, you mean the game automobiles? It's, I was like, you mean cars the, driving? Yeah, cars? the game the. <laughs> the game automobiles and it's not a lot right like i think they have automobiles at like 3.3 and quetzal at a 3.0 or something and that's for listeners who don't know that's the community kind of average of um they call it weight as in how heavy or complex a game is oh right right and i don't i was a little bit baffled by that because i would I think I would call Quetzal more complicated than automobiles, but maybe that's just because I've played so many deck builders. Oh yeah, right. The we played. Uh, speaking of that automobiles game, we played that game late one night. Remember, and we went. I guess we chose an option for it to be a little bit longer than normal. I had never played the automobiles game, which is a like you said, a kind of a deck. Builder yeah, game. that was. We, I, I mentioned that because uh, we had done that a couple nights before um, we had Fox on, and he he recommended that game. Um, yeah, it's a it's a car racing game, and in in the interface on Board Game Arena, you can configure how many laps and how many races. Um, when we did it this weekend, we did three races of three of three laps, and. They were smaller tracks that we could get around pretty quickly. Um, 
And so I think I started strong in that one and then just couldn't couldn't keep up by the end. I couldn't draw the right cubes at the right times, but it was still fun and it didn't take ages like the game that we played earlier in the week where we did one track, five laps, and it took like three and a half hours. It was ridiculous. Man, it, it, it was it was exhausting. I, I uh, a small short review of that game, I, my opinion of without going into the game at all, the game Automobiles, which is a board game, but is on an alpha on Board Game Arena, is um, it's fun. It's deck builder, which I like, kind of. It's not cards, but, you know, well, I don't know. It's dice. A bag chip builder, or whatever it might be. Um, there there are cards that determine what those cubes do. They're, they're cubes, yeah. and you draw them from a bag, like um, any number of games, like Scrabble. But there are a bunch of, um, and now I can't think of any, but there are a bunch of board games that have little tokens in a bag and you pull them um, and that's all you do with them. Yeah, and, and, um, and it's, it's uh, I'm not going to mention the mechanics because we have a lot to talk about tonight, but uh, I, it, it is a game that I would generally like and I, do, and I did like it. I liked, um, I did happen to win it, so it always helps. But um, sure, the... Sure. Uh, I liked the mechanics of it. I liked the idea of it. It was pretty fun. I'm not a, a racing game fan in general. I usually kind of avoid those. It's just not my thing. Uh, but mm. I but I did enjoy this one. Um, but about halfway to 75% of the way through, I was pretty bored. Like I was done doing it. Right? We we had we just keep going around. Much like much yeah. like NASCAR, you just keep going around in circles <laughs> again and again and again. Like how many times? Can I keep doing this? Yeah, same and thing? that's and that's like I said last week. We we tweaked the rules on the game to make it less fun, and we got to a state where I think you were always doing pretty well. But then the rest of us got to a point where we fairly often were drawing cubes such that we could do little to nothing on our turn, like maybe move one space forward, where sometimes you can move like five or six spaces, and that just added to the tedium. And the monotony of of how we had that game configured. Yeah. So, it, long and short of it is, I think it's a good game, but don't. It's got a couple. It's got several options actually for longer versions of it. Um, I would personally not suggest playing those longer versions. <laughs> not recommended. I, I, the yeah. the word the word is that you could play that game with the same cubes that you've bought or something within multiple tracks, and that sounds like a nightmare to me. That you would be just stuck in with your same cubes and your same strategy for hours and hours and hours on end feels kind of. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of how we played it last weekend, but it was only three races and they were only three laps. So yes, decisions that we made early on affected us later the same way that it did when, when you and I played. Um, But the whole thing was shorter and the changing in tracks gave more possibilities. You're like, Oh, now I've, now the things that were kind of working against me in the second track are now going to be a benefit in the oh, third. Oh, that makes sense. Whatever. Yeah, I Just guess, yeah. adds more kind of... Um, All those black dice or whatever they were, cubes I bought before were terrible for me, but now they're fantastic. I get... Okay, sure. Yeah, or or right. vice versa. So we played... We played... We played, we played that one. That was late when we played Scythe Digital again, which we played, we played before and talked about on the show. I, I'm always a big fan of Scythe. I humble brag have won... Like something like eighty percent of the games <laughs> that I've played of Scythe, 
Um, yeah, that that one, it 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 always has the same thing, and it's kind of frustrating. You know, I know we talked um, at length about Board Game Arena, and it's sort of, you know, it's not very pretty. The tech for it is all really old, um, but we get into some of these uh, uh, Steam board game adaptations mm-hmm. that are done very fancy yeah. and very pretty. Yeah. And then we'll be missing some like some key kind of functionality that that almost any game on Board Game Arena would have. Right. Now I don't know that you could do Scythe on Board Game Arena. It's it's got a lot of bits and it's very pretty and fancy, and it would be kind of hard to do in a flat Board Game Arena interface. But the problem we all had with with Scythe was that there's no way to undo. Like if you click on Move and then realize that you don't have the pieces or the or the technology unlocks to move where you wanted to go your your turn's basically over yeah um that happened to me one time and i i just went and attacked trotsky i'm like well there's there's nothing else i can do like all i wanted to do was move down here and pick up an encounter chip but i can't do that and i also can't go back and change my action which in person unless you're playing with real jerks like anybody would let you do yeah. you're like oh well a a move turn is going to be useless for me, and we have a kind of limited turn economy here. So, um, but the app doesn't let you do that, and that happened to almost everybody. Yeah, that at one that, point that has like been I, a, that here, specific problem has been listening to problem. people take their turns, and they're like, "Oh, I can't. Oh, and I can't undo it." And it's like, yep, yep, yep. yep. Now it's now it's your turn to be sad. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and that's funny because that because that has been a perpetual every single game time we play that app. It's the same. The same that problem always mm-hmm. occurs. Unlike another game, which we'll talk about later here in the show called Root, that has that feature and allows you to roll back a lot of steps. As long as we always say no new information is is resolved, you you can roll back, um, and, yeah, and, yeah. and it has that built in. But yeah, Scythe has that. There, there's um, it, it is a good game and it's a good app. I, I think overall it's it's a it's a solid purchase for sure. It does a good a lot of like you said, beautiful stuff with the presentation. It does. Uh, do all of the bits and pieces, but it's just, there's so many little, little things that if you could have a bit of quality testing, you could come back and say, you know, you don't have to have a confirmation box for every single thing when you're doing everything. Like if there's nothing done at the end of your turn and you can't do things, you've done the things and you're not allowing me to in turn, I meant to undo, then just have it in the turn. You don't need to hit a button in the corner that happens to pop up that says in turn, (laughs) right? That's just, well, and you're, yeah, and your and your expectations are so different because like if we play a game on board game arena like we play um no thanks mm-hmm. or not no thanks um um ink and gold. Right? And if you know ink and gold, the cards turn up and everybody decides whether to keep going or to run away. And there are times in the game where you've only seen hazards, right? So nobody's collected any coins and I'm not going to get into the rules of ink and gold. If you've played it, you know what I'm talking about. And we're like why does it keep prompting me? There's no reason anyone would run away yet because we don't have any gems. Right. Um, and you're like, it should let you just say, keep going until gems come out. But on Board Game Arena, you know that that game was coded by probably one guy yeah. in his spare time for free. Yeah. And you're like, well, that would be nice. But since it's not like, I don't know, it's whatever. Where you play a game on Steam and you're like, this is really pretty 
And if I had paid full price for it, it would have been 20 bucks. Why is there no undo feature? Yeah. Like, you know, your, your well, and, and, mindset and, and like, about it like is completely Like we were different. both said, there's several things, not just the undo feature, but there's several just kind of That's brain just scratchers example, that, yeah. that aren't game breaking anyway, except for the undo is probably the most egregious because right. it, because if you play it right, you don't make a mistake. You don't have that problem. So there's nothing that like gets you in a broken it, loop or a buggy type stuff. I, I don't think that's ever a problem. It's just you know some of the things that slow it down. It slows you down to go through stuff and um, sure, you, you know yeah. showing big cards in front of people stuff. Like I didn't know that one thing I had is I didn't know how it says place a place a um, a, a building or something right that you have. Like I had no idea or nowhere anywhere to tell me where the buildings were or what they were, right? Or how to find them until I actually mm. took my turn and then I could, I could, then they would, the highlight, I chose the building, then they would highlight and show me. Like th those are things that are just kind of simple stuff. And some apps have, have those issues. This is, I guess we're mainly talking about um, digital implementations of board games because that's how, what we did right. this weekend was playing those implementations. Things like uh, there was another game we played where you couldn't hover over any of the cards when it wasn't your turn. Like there, there's no reason why I can't hover over somebody else's or the game yeah, board. And that see was, the um, right. That was small world. I forgot that yeah, we played small that. world. Exactly. It, it was a kind of thing where you're going to have to make a choice, but you can't get any of the information that you might need to make that choice until it's your turn. It's like, you know, just a sort of oversight in the way they programmed it that in practice makes the game take longer than it needs yeah. to. And those those make a difference between, let's say, a, playing a board game. There's there's a whole bunch of differences between playing a board game in person and, and online. But when, when the the uh, when we have to t we you do have to talk about how um, it's not the game or the game rules that are making it difference. It's the the way the the interface works right how, how right, it becomes right, an right. impediment and i don't talk mean talk about picking up uh, a chits or dice or rolling them it's it's simply like confirmation dialogue boxes or hovering tooltips or getting like you said getting information that you would be able to get any other time making it difficult and hidden and buried and not accessible so accessibility i guess is a, is a lot of stuff too so you know we ran it when that was scythe but um again it's still it's still a good the, the scythe game which i played multiple times in person too is up my alley. Uh, uh, Trotsky, our buddy Trotsky, had mentioned games that sometimes just click with him. Uh, I think Scythe is one of those ones that click with me. It fits completely in my mental capabilities of what I want to do in a game. I can clear. Mm. I can clearly see objectives from the beginning on a path to victory, and try to go on those paths to victory to do it. And then I can play that strategy the whole game with very minimal interaction, but enough interaction to make me feel like I'm playing with other people. Right. So which, which sure, is which is sure. all I really need. Yeah. And then also those people have some effect on my game, but only about 20 percent of the effect on my game, right? which is enough to win or lose. But it's it's not like my whole game, which is something I enjoy in a game. You know, it's something I can. I, it's mm -hmm. part of my thing. So I like that. I enjoyed that one. We played the other game I was talking about earlier that has undo was another digital steam game we uh, called Root. And that's that's an interesting, yeah. an interesting game. I enjoyed it pretty well. I I enjoyed that game most of the time we were playing. Um, I had a kind of sour experience, just my own 
you know, it's all, all in my my own head with my own feelings and, and reactions thing because I got very close to winning and then had that victory stolen from me. And, you know, part of part of being fatigued all weekend meant that I, uh, you know, was a little more, well, everybody knows what it's like when you're sleep deprived. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. You you know, that it starts when you're a kid, right? You, you have like a toddler. <laughs> That's right. You got to be bad by eight o'clock right? or they're just a grump. And, but yeah. And and those things are, they're not as extreme as you, you know, grow and mature, but they are still there. If you have not had enough sleep, you just cannot function as well. You cannot deal with um, the, the the disappointments in life, like losing a board game, <laughs> uh, as, as well as normal. But the, the concept and the... Um, the actual mechanics of that game were were fascinating to me. I didn't know anything about this game. Um, we played Root. I played Root. You guys played it yesterday, but I played Root in the time slot where we were supposed to play the Game of Thrones game, which, surprise, surprise, did not happen, but um, because we had one of our players not show, which I think at least half of us were kind of relieved. <laughs> um, and I, sure. I use the word us there intentionally. But... Um, uh, Fox and Jill each taught a table of of this game root, which plays four, and I think maybe there are expansions that increase that. But we played the digital version, which is not Asmodee; it's um, uh, Direwolf Digital, who does something else. I don't remember what. Um, anyway, we played the Steam version, and it's um, would you call it asymmetrical? It's got to be. What, what do you right? mean? Yeah, I guess that's a good word for it. So it's this sort of area control building. The easiest way for me to explain it is just to explain it. So <laughs> um, the digital version has tutorials, and I played through the tutorial, and the tutorial says, here you are, you want to get control of this map. And the map is like forests with little clearings, and the clearings have paths in between them. And then the clearings have little squares where you can build buildings. And you do this tutorial as the cat faction. They're all animals. It's, it's a very cute aesthetic. With it's good, right. good. Like it's the aesthetic art is important to the game. I think. I think it helps. With yeah, it's it's very it's artsy or in like a drawn hand drawn kind of way. Um, but but cutesy is a good word for it. And so you have these cats, and they're like, okay, if you build. This building, it'll generate wood every round, and then you use wood to build buildings. So you build more recruitment buildings, and those generate more uh, soldiers, little cat soldiers. And they're like, you got to go fight these birds and tear down their building that uh, that generates troops or something. It's right. whatever. It's Yeah, it's their building that generates troops. And I'm like, oh, this is just like the board game version of StarCraft or any real-time strategy game it's turn-based it's not real-time but um that like some buildings generate resources some buildings generate units it's the same thing as an engine builder just in video games we call it real-time strategy because you deal with economy and then you go out and fight except once we got into the actual four-player game Mm -hmm. um i played we we had four different factions that are in the base game they're cats birds uh vagabonds or raccoons and um the mice or um 
whatever Jill played. It was like Woodland Alliance. Yeah. Um, and the four factions play completely differently and have completely different paths to victory. So I just described the way cats work, <laughs> right? They build, they build buildings that generate resources and then other buildings that generate troops and they go fight. Right. I played, because we did random factions, I played the Vagabonds who don't start out in clearings at all. They start out in the woods, in the game. spaces yeah. in between the clearings. And then I pick up items and those items let me do stuff. I don't have a base like you can move twice every turn as long as i have boots for every pair of boots that i have and have readied in this kind of um, magic style ready exhaust uh, cycle for every one of those boots i have i can move and then if i'm in the same space with somebody i can give them one of my cards in exchange for taking one of their items and if i do that enough times every time i give them a card i get points for it so I ran around most of the game never fighting. Like, I I'd never fought anybody at any point. Mm -hmm. But I got one turn away from winning just from doing that card trading thing. And then also I had quests. They're like, if you have two, these two things and you're in this kind of clearing, you can exhaust those things, turn in this card, and you can either draw more cards or get two victory points. Um, and that I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I... When you say asymmetric, I, I I get. I was thinking of like you take your turn, then I can take my turn whenever I want type thing. I, I the game is each each faction plays completely different and has, has yeah. That's style, what I style, that, yeah. That's what I mean asymmetrical. It's not like you know we play uh, you know we play Catan and you pick your you pick your thing and it's just the color or even. Even Scythe, like Scythe has all the different factions and the factions are different um, in what they can do and their powers and their um, focuses. Right, but the but, entire game is different for everything. Yeah, everybody's, everybody's still trying to do, everybody still has the same options for victory points. You could do two combats, you can build this many buildings, you could do like all of those things are the same for everybody. Um you know, at one point early on in the game, somebody was like, what do I do with this crossbow? And I said, uh, well, do you have quests? Because one of my quests needs a crossbow. And Jill said, you're the only one that has quests. <laughs> right, yeah. Right. So like that's th th that crossbow is good for me to do my thing and I can give somebody a cart. So it's like it had all this mutual benefit uh, mechanic. Just for me, that was my faction. Um I think the Woodland Alliance that Jill was playing, her thing was all about like spreading out all over the map and then like having this revolution, right? Where they all kind of turned and went combat heavy. Right. And then Pete played the birds who were similar to the cats, except they were more about like putting a building in every place. It's a little bit like if you're playing Warcraft, you've got the Terrans versus the uh, the humans versus the undead the undead want to put or maybe just to stick with starcraft you got terrans and zerg and zerg want to put stuff all over the ground and the terrans just have buildings and then they fight yeah it, it, um, i was i was really amazed by that the thing it actually impressed me that you know for to game designers like how that they could do that they could make three 
separate three or four, whatever many factions they have, separate games and have them play on the same board, like and and yeah, and balance and balance them, them. and right? and it did like feel they, pretty balanced. It, I think you know, I mean, it, it's you know, I, I was the birds and they played totally different than the cats, and but the cats were doing a thing, and I was an impediment to them and they were an impediment to me in different ways, but we were all totally doing completely think different stuff for different reasons. Um, and, and that was very, very interesting. I mean, it, but it was, it was hard to ask questions, I guess at, at the beginning, because thankfully I did have Jill from geek scholar, Jill to, to talk to me, talk me through it. And again, thankfully I had geek scholar, Jill, because I ended up picking a very aggressive, like, like class, race, whatever it was, the birds, and mm-hmm. not realizing mm-hmm. it at all. And I am not an aggressive person at the beginning of games that I don't know. Um, right. And and I so right. and I ran over her for the first half of the game. And she was just very polite and very kind and very teacher stuff about it. But like I didn't know, and it's hard because her things aren't the same. And I don't know. You know, you think, oh, I've got to stop her from. I've got to get the most victory points. You know, and because I got to stop her from doing the same thing I'm doing. No, we're not. She didn't really care because that's what I'm doing is not as important to what she's doing, right? And, and that yeah. was so weird. And then, like, my whole interface is different. Like, I have to do programmatic stuff. I, every every round, I have to do oh, these with same the things yeah. over. You know, exactly the same time where she had options, but I couldn't ask anybody about it because. I had whole different terms like decrees and birdsong and and on my turn was just a different game. I'm not playing the same game as they are, which which is cool. I mean, it's a all this is all this yeah. to say that it's a very cool, interesting thing. And and the factions are very different. They're not just like as you had said, Zerg and Protoss and Terran. They they're very different. Uh, a whole different game. You're playing Super Mario's while the other guy's playing, you know, Starcraft um, on the same board. And you're like, why are you jumping on the platforms everywhere? I'm trying to build bases. Like, I don't build bases. I jump on platforms. Um, And that's very much how this game was. So that's interesting. It was, I went and looked up, since looked up the Kickstarter of Roots, and it looks pretty cool. I really like the Steam digital implementation of it because Mm -hmm. I thought all those things we talked about with Scythe weren't apparent in this one. I thought the... The interface was pretty intuitive. It allowed me to do things I wanted. It gave me instructions pretty easily. Everything was yeah, you know, right yeah. There. I don't remember having any having any issues. Yeah, with that I could interface. find the the things I needed to know about all the things I needed to know pretty simply, logically where they needed to be, um, and um, the aesthetic, as I mentioned before, was very was very nice. It was very cool. My little birds with their spears running quickly from clearing to clearing and building the little house where it looks like a fight that was a, with, was when a, uh, a cloud comes in the big, you know, the like cartoony fight thing happens. Like it, that is something you don't get in a board game at all, like that kind of stuff. And this was very cool with that. The guy with the cat with the banjo or, or whatnot. So yeah, <laughs> I, I, I thought that was worth it. That's only like 15, $20 on steam and totally worth it to play. And they're putting expansions on it and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, very, yeah. Fun. Every, expansion they add more uh they had more factions i'm like man how do you do do that how do you balance that like i get starcraft had three and warcraft three had like four maybe five and but then they stopped like they didn't uh you know do any more like yeah how do you how do you keep that balance that's got to be a challenge every time every time yeah so yeah that that was that was a big one for i wasn't like big as in long it was a good hour long hour and a half long game something like that 
Um, right. But but fun, fun, good time. Um, what else did we play? Um, I played. Like I said I played Pretzel, which is called Quetzel, I think. That work, work replacement game. That was fun. I think that I could like it. I don't think I said before. I don't think I'll ever be good at it, but I I think I like it. Um, I like work replacement games, so those are always good. It's got that. Um... It's got that uh, Lords of Waterdeep, mm-hmm. which you know for us is the is the quintessential mm-hmm. worker placement game, but also the bidding element of it and the the meeple rolling, which you don't notice as much in the digital uh, in the board game arena version, but it just means that your units that you have to your workers that you have to place are have the potential to be different every round. Um, which is not not that different like there are two options um and and they can also be wild um and the, the i think the bidding i already mentioned yeah. i i started i think i played two games of that and i started to get a handle on like what i'm trying to do um you know what my what my goals are but there's a lot there's a lot going on on the board it's 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 fairly heavy it's it's more there's more to it than uh, than Waterdeep. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, so let's see what else. What other games did we get? Um, I think that was the majority of them that I can that was notable that I can think of. Um, oh, um, Trotsky and Justin and I played Pandemic. Oh, like digital like original another Pandemic. Original Pandemic. Uh, we had a an expansion called. Uh, virulent strain or virulent however you want to pronounce mm-hmm. that um it meant that one of your diseases and i don't know how this was chosen it might be the first one that you pull after the first player's turn or whatever um um infects double i don't think it's always double it's just like if it infects a clean city the city gets two cubes instead of one so it was just like a really minor um expansion or or dlc as they say in 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 digital games but what baffled me about that one and this is another i didn't mean for half of the show to be me bagging on asmodee <laughs> digital uh board game adaptations but we had to use something called steam remote play remote play together or whatever that's called Basically, uh, Trotsky fired up the game, and then Justin and I had to connect into his game session, and then we had, um, we all sort of had control. It's like when you're uh, doing couch co-op in a video game, and everybody can hit back with their controller, like you're playing Halo or something. Right. Um, and like when it was our turn, we look at the board and we scroll the map around, but everybody's looking at the same thing. So like they can see when I scroll the map, I can see when they scroll the map because it's pandemic. All of the, uh, everything's public information, right? Your cards that you have are just, everybody's cards are just shown down in the bottom right corner, um, or bottom left corner. Um, and that was fine, but it was a little buggy and a little bandwidth intensive. Um, like I think for Trotsky it was fine, but because it was his uh, uh, shadow machine he was using, um, for me it was mostly fine. But every once in a while, like the thing goes all pixelated. I have kind of hit or miss uh, results with Steam uh, Remote Play mm. in general. Yeah. Like even if I'm at home, 
playing with two computers that are both plugged into the same ethernet i'll still get the little like red icon that i don't have bandwidth and i'm like how is it possible i don't have bandwidth uh (laughs) you know i'm sure that's because it's it's going out to the internet and my internet is bad here but um that was the only way we could play multiplayer and as we were setting it up like at first we thought maybe there was no multiplayer and then we got all this set up and we're like okay we can actually play but who like it baffles me to to what and i think i said baffle already tonight but (laughs) um i'm like the whole point of pandemic the board game and i'm sure that you can play it solo if you want but the the strength and the challenge of that game is in the cooperation like and i'm not just saying that because it's a cooperative game like the whole thing is about what am i going to do on my turn and how do we collectively decide and argue and bargain and prioritize how we're going to do this you know with some people alpha gaming and like it was a joke for a while where somebody we know in bloomington for a while and i don't know if they still do this um would like almost use it for job interviews (laughs) to like have people who are potentially going to be working together on a team play this game and see how they interact when the situation gets kind of tense and they're close to losing and they're like, how do we prioritize what our actions are on our turn? And like, that's the whole game. I'm like, how do you make a digital adaptation of this game that is about this and not build in multiplayer? It's just, you know, kind of crazy to me. Yeah. But uh, anyway, we did get the multiplayer to work. Um, The three of us played and we won very easily because Trotsky had the difficulty too low. (laughs) Um, and they both have done you know i think justin has done at least season one and trotsky has done season one and two of uh um legacy Legacy, pandemic pandemic legacy and so like the base mechanics of like go here clear this trade these cards get this thing and cure these diseases is like you know almost instinctive for them now yeah right uh, or reflexive right yeah the you're right. After playing two seasons of Pandemic, you the base game is very basic kind of type stuff, right? Mm-hmm. You don't you don't have to think of any kind of consequences that happened or how things are different and overrunning and the the special circumstances here. It's just kind of your, a very very core base game. It's kind of like playing with when you get D and D with all the seven different dices. Now you're just playing with D sixes. You know, it's kind of like, it's just like that. Uh, but yeah, um, that sounds cool. Like I said I haven't played Pandemic in a while. We. Besides the legacy game, I, I kind of put it in, in the category as like Catan or Ticket to Ride, although Ticket to Ride is still kind of like, is that those are good core mechanic type games of, of introductory to the of actual board gaming world. Um, but once you grow out of them, you kind of don't want to go back to them, you know? Sure. So I, I haven't I, I picked up a pandemic in a while because it's, it's as we talk about with movies. Even though you can appreciate the the original for what it is, you've seen it so much better since then, right? You're like, oh, sure, you know, Pandemic's great and it's core, but uh, it's kind of like playing Dominion. That was another game. It was one of the first like deck builder type deck things, builders. right? And then and mm-hmm. you're like, oh, this is great. It's got all the basic 100 percent every foundational thing of every every right. you know deck builder has, but it only has that. And Pandemic is the same way. It only has these things. Every other game is 
expanded upon those thoughts in different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a good game in general. I see the the digital app version is pretty good. Yeah, so it was good. It was a good game game weekend. I think overall, playing we there was nights of you know stupid games and six nimits and things like that. So uh, I don't. I never played six nimit, but I did play a lot of ink and gold. Ink and gold. Um, there was a decent amount of can't stop. Can't stop. Uh, we and we played Jackbox. We did Quiplash and that drawing fighting game whose name I'm not going to remember. Yeah, yeah. So there was a there was there was times of a lot of fillers that we're not talking about, but those were some of the highlights that that we did do. Um, moving on to from games, I guess have have you been? I know you were busy, and we had a lot of turnaround this week. Uh, have you watched anything on TV or any kind of movies or stuff like that or trailers or something that's coming out? Um, I've been watching the animes that I mentioned oh, yeah, right. two weeks ago. Um, those are both pretty good. Or I think I named three of them, but still watching all of those. They're all they're all still good. Uh, I haven't seen any more of Last Kingdom, just the first episode, which I think we talked about a little bit last yeah, week. Right. Did we talk about last? A week? A little bit, just just quickly. Um. As I mentioned last week, Fox had recommended that I watch uh, The West Wing, mm-hmm. um, which is which is fine. I enjoy I'm I not, enjoyed that show. I did, and I, I and I occasionally pick I it thought back that up. I would I thought that I would be very annoyed by the liberal politics, and there's really not. It, obviously, it's there, right? That mm-hmm. the show is all kind of about that, yeah. but the the details are really more like how do we get this guy to agree to this and how do we stop this story and who is in what relationship with whom and yeah. how are they navigating that uh, uh, kind of stuff. And of course it's fun to see all of these actors that I've seen in a bunch of other subsequent projects, but you know, 20 years younger. Yeah. The, the, the it's funny cause that show didn't have, I mean, I I still don't necessarily see them as a star-studded cast, um, except within that show. And Rob Lowe was in it, and the president was like one of the best presidents. I've Martin, seen. Martin Sheen. Sheen. It, yeah. They are, but the rest of the people, I don't know if I felt that they were these, you know, iconic things from history. But they, you know, it's hard. What I'm trying to say here is that they didn't seem like they were fantastic, fabulous people. Right, I think some no, of the people seem very much like just normals, right? They're they're TV actors, and but but some they of did them great in their parts. Like they were very distinct. Yes, right? yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm, whether whether sure. you liked them or not, I think most of them, with the exception of the president, felt like they were people that you could actually know, or you may have met in college, or you know, I mean, mm. generally, you know, hyped up on intelligence and political stuff but you know (laughs) you still feel that this guy is different than that girl is different than this person and they and and i and i enjoyed i enjoyed of that show the 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 inner workings of how things kind of came together how there was a clear boss in not necessarily the president but the chief of staff and then there's the communications director has to deal with specific a big job it's these big stuff and I really got yeah. Th- I got a lot. There of are a lot of there are a lot of characters, and you're like, who's this guy, and who's what's this person's job? Like, you don't really know. But then, 
the, yeah, there's like the president and then the chief of staff and the and the communications director. Mm-hmm. And those are like they have their hierarchy, but then each of those two well, all three of them, because there's a vice president, they all have their like second. Yeah. Right? right. Their second in command guy, and that's Rob Lowe is one of those. Right. Um and then they have an army of then, staffers around them, right? Yeah, and then there are all of these various like assistants and um you know like Allison Janney is in there mm-hmm. and she's kind of on her in her own kind of hierarchy and it's yeah yeah it, it's all it, it, uh, it's all interesting I think that and and you're right it, it even though it has um it is has political topics like they'll, they'll you know they're they're clearly debating a a tough topic or a thing that's between a Democrat or Republican and this happens to be a, mm-hmm. a Democratic administration they do they do say that but i think the most of it was the inner workings of the the white house right i think that was yeah that's really the the biggest thing about like when when a situation happens how are these people within the the white house dealing with this situation in a different different way so while the top the topic may be uh, a tank oil tanker going off in the side of the thing and one person decides to make it about you know the uh um the environment. Another person wants to, to make it about oil. And then, and, and it, it, that is the core, the, the through line of what it is, but then it's really about how the communications director tries to steer the public and what message they want to give. And then how there's a secret meeting behind the scenes with the congressman who wants to do this because his family is that. And you're like, there's so many other moving parts in Washington that are going all over the place. And mm-hmm. that what you don't see and that show really, that really was good for me from that kind of perspective. You know, they do a lot in Washington and four years is not very long. It really isn't. No. And, no, and you're right. doing monumental, huge things. And when you say, you know, the president is dealing with this, you know, right now, like it's been three months since our current president, not even, not even three months, two months since our current president has been in office and he's already working on five monumental tasks all the time and everyone is blaming him for five other monumental tasks. And I'm like, there's just not right. enough time in that time. I have done a few projects, maybe a couple, right. That are very small right. and, and how right. the world does this do this? And you watch a show like the West wing and you see the president comes in on a Monday, there's an event that happens and he says, here's what we're doing at a meeting. And then that's all he has to say. And then everything mm-hmm. comes together. Like, how is a bill written? Because these like four people spend, you know, a week on it. The president just has to say a word, and they make they expand upon that. It's just so much, right? So I, yeah. I really appreciate. I know I'm going right yeah. on it, but I really appreciate it. It's it. it's a little, yeah, it's a little bit of a fantasy, mm-hmm. right? Like, of course, of course. There's there are almost no. There are almost no situations where Martin Sheen can't walk in and deliver a couple of well-written lines Correct. like Captain Picard yeah. and the situation is resolved. And I don't mind that because it's still fun to watch. Yeah, right. And, and, it, made, and it made him a good yeah. he, good character president. Like I, I all throughout the whole series, he, yeah. he was good, a great character. And that's why I think a lot of people that when there was a reunion wanted to see that because you throughout the series, you really really do learn whether you like them or not you really do learn a lot about these characters you know and, and the struggles they sure. go through and and i'll tell you what if anything it made me glad i never went into politics not just because of politics but because 
How, how, I don't even know how yeah. they had lives, like ever. Like how staffers have a life period. Well, no, that's that's yeah. Even the even the underlings, like that's a big part of in season one. This the story with um the chief of staff, Leo. Like he's going through a divorce because he's like, no, I have to focus on this. Like we have these couple years to do something, and it's more important than anything else, including my marriage. Yeah, and it's uh and and, and in that know. situation, that's probably true. Right. So you think of someone who is a White House right. chief of staff yeah. and you're like, yeah, they're like they aren't having raising their kids. Like the president is not raising right. their, their kids. They just aren't. You know, and a lot of people are like, oh, are they doing dinner date? No, they're not. They're working until, no. you know, 10 o'clock at night. Not, I mean, maybe some of our presidents did very little, but um, <laughs> right. but you know for the most part they are working in, until late and if they're and after work they're going to dinners and talking to people and you know and then you have i can imagine all the stuff you have to read you know on on yeah. i couldn't imagine having time to watch cnn no. or fox news or so <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah it, anyway it, it was it's that's a good show that that uh, i i have not watched it all I, it was one of those ones I'm, i so many episodes back when they used to make like 50 episodes a season and yeah yeah um, so we uh i i will occasionally go back to it and get to see some <laughs> quote-unquote new episodes that uh you know are, sure. are interesting um so that's that's always and i never feel bad about like stop watching it because i'll go back to it again at some point and watch it and some of you know some of those things do yeah. hold up because there's still topics that today are very divisive um yeah, yeah. I mean, some of some of that stuff's not been resolved, and then some of it is a little bit of a time capsule into like mm-hmm. the late '90s. Yeah. You know, I mean, that show ramp. You know, the first season is '99, but it's going to move into you know the George W. administration and all the post 9/11 stuff. And I don't think that they address that stuff directly because it's a kind of alternate. Yeah alternate reality where edward james almost gets to be a supreme court justice but, <laughs> right uh... right yeah yeah that that's a perfect example too i, I remember that i don't know if it's an episode or series of episodes where like i can't remember the whole thing but he has a problem or something and he's standing up for his morals or some kind of thing and and, and it mm. makes you kind of see this whole idea of you know politics is one thing and a job is another and then what do you hold through to it was just a wasn't necessarily about the subject at hand it was kind of like how do people deal with these positions and what what they have to do which was you know really mm. really, really interesting um so yeah. yeah anyway it's a long way for that show but um i, I as we mentioned before i watched i watched the last kingdom um i got hooked on it and really 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 liked it it's i finished episode one yesterday or sorry season one yesterday which is mm. only eight episodes so that was pretty good um, okay. And sure. they're, they're hour longs and they do feel sufficiently epic. So I did feel that the eight season or eight episodes were a full big season, right? It felt like a huge Game of Thrones season. Yeah. I, I only saw the first episode of season one, mm-hmm. right? The first episode of the show. And so much happened. Like they introduce these characters and they grow up and there's a thing and a, you know, sort of tragedy and, and all, and then like, they're adults moving into the next stage of their story by the end of that one episode. Yeah. And I yeah. think it's, you know, a full hour long, so you could do all that. It's like half of a movie, but 
Um, yeah, it, and you know now now that I think back at that, that's exactly they continue to do that. I, I know several times I'm expecting like here's where the cliffhanger is going to end, and they're going to come up next episode, right, and it right. doesn't because it's that's just the halfway still through, going, yeah, and they're moving on to the next subject. I'm like, wow, that's that's a lot, and you know that's it's a lot. There's oh my gosh, we just did three big things in this episode, and we're still going, right, right, um, right, and that's that's how it was. So I, I I've really been enjoying it. I feel after season one that that our characters have done so much you know i i can't imagine mm-hmm. what do you do after season one when their whole like they've gone through this ma- big journey right so i think the se- the show's like four or five seasons um so oh wow yeah it's it's pretty it's been pretty out pretty long and it still has pretty great reviews um on it i'm trying to avoid any sites about it at all because or even looking up characters or cast names because I'm afraid of spoilers and even a little bit. Cause you know, if you watch yeah, game of Thrones of now, you can't go on the web without spoiling. You'll it. just, you'll just accidentally in, you know, some news headline and they're like, what so-and-so's death means for the future of game of Thrones. And you're yeah. like, what really? Yeah. Come on. I mean, even seeing like a dragon next to Daenerys <laughs> is a spoiler, right? From if you're watching. Yeah. This, yeah. So, Exactly. Uh, or even seeing Daenerys that she's got a drag. I mean, she's lived at this point and you know, there's, yeah. So, so it's, it's, it's one of those, and it has the game of Thrones things where characters do die. Um, um, if it services the story and you know, you, you're not always secure. Um, if, if a character mm. makes a, a bad choice, it's a, you know, it would be a realistic thing that they would not live through that or something. Um, right. And, uh, so, so it, it, it has a lot of those things that I, I don't know if a character will come in and some of my favorite characters have passed on in the show and I bid them a tearful farewell, um, you know, cause they were, I'm glad that they were around. Uh, but I don't want to know if some of the people I like now are, are on there. The show does have <laughs> characters that come and go rather quickly though. Um, Hmm. I'm, they're 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 tertiary characters, I guess, or side characters, but they come in and it's a part of this of the main character's life or something that happens. And you think this is going to be like, okay, this is a big character; they're very impactful and very important. But then the 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 show moves on past them pretty quickly, and and it makes and it just makes logical sense. Like uh, maybe dysentery happens, and the entire village is taken over, and if the story skips ahead three years and they were already going to sickly, then they're already dead. Or something. It doesn't, it doesn't kill people off screen like that, but you know, mm. it, it does do this character is a third character that just came in for an episode. They seemed like they were big, but they really never were um, type stuff. So anyway, I, I, right. I enjoy it. I, I really like it. Um, I'm going to continue to watch it. I hope I still have that cautiously optimistic thing of like, how, how can a show be really good in season one? Cause I felt that, Game of Thrones, for example, took a while to get going to really lock me in. Um, this one, and a lot of shows do. A lot of shows are terrible in the first season. How, how can a show continue to be okay. good through five seasons? Uh, mm-hmm. So so we'll, we'll see. But where they ended in season one, I can see maybe where the overall story to the whole series goes. And they're not there yet. Like, they're not even close. They're not even close to that point yet. They did a lot, I see. but not to what I think is the main story. So that's that's cool. Um, I saw the I watched Queen's Gambit. We didn't really talk about it too much. I mentioned a little last week. Um, hmm. 
Sydney and I sat down and watched it, uh, watched the first episode, and then she really liked it and so continued to want to watch it, so we watched it at dinner every night. It's like eight episodes as well. Another one of those things where it seems that Netflix has learned that 13 is probably too much for a uh, one-hour series show. I think most of their shows yeah. are sitting around yeah. eight hours these days. Uh, mm-hmm. You remember back in the days when like Jen- uh, Jessica Jones and such were 13, and you're just like, oh, God, it's crawling along. Right. Um, I think they really did learn their lesson on that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. If you're doing like 40 minute episodes, that's okay. Sure. But if they're a solid hour, you're like, yeah, mm-hmm. come on. Uh, this one, uh, I, uh, Sydney and I were talking about it in together in like hindsight. It, it's hard to describe or just to talk about because it's one of those character driven things where the actors did a good job and you can't mm-hmm. describe an actor's performance. Right. You, you just, you just can't. So the main character yeah. has a specific way and mannerism about her and that's very vital to the entire telling of the entire story so you can say it's about chess and substance abuse and that doesn't say cover the story at all because it's really the way the actress <laughs> yeah yeah performs her part right um i've i've heard that about that and you kind of yeah. get that just from watching the trailer but yeah uh, yeah and 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 yeah. you see her as a kid and you see her as an as a like a teenager, then a twenty something, and an adult, and uh, and you see that kind of progress. And she's still the same person, like people are, right? She does evolve for right, sure, right? Um, which you also notice that the way she evolves, but she's still that kind of odd thing that I again I'm not doing a well job of describing here, but but it's it's what makes the show interesting. And kudos to to sure. her for doing such a really good job. And I always wonder when I see stuff like that is like, did the, did the actor or actress, did they come in with this idea? Like, I know that Heath Ledger came in with the idea of the Joker. Like he went and told Christopher Nolan, I want to do this and mm. completely created that, that persona of the Joker um, and that mannerism. And like, I always wonder if that's the way that happens or if the stories, the screenplay says, this is how they act, you know? Um, but anyway, right. it was it was good. I it was very satisfying ending. I like satisfying endings. Um because of its eight episodes, it has kind of a, a where you know it's going type thing. Like I know that I can see the at episode two or three, the beats of where the story's gonna go. Um sure. and then it, it does and you know what happens, but that's not the real story. There's always like this backstory of what her how she's dealing because she's she's um Antisocial is kind of the thing where super introvert, right? Yeah. And so you, you all are kind of following this person who's an introvert and struggling with stuff. And I would talk, we sit night, sitting and I would have a talk a little bit about not necessarily mental illness, but like mental different faculties when how people cope with things. And if you're an introvert and you're put into an extra high pressure, tense situation, some people deal with it with alcohol or with drugs or with tranquilizers. Right. Or, right. And, and they, they're not, meaning to be like a bad person and they're like they're going out partying and stuff it's just they can't cope emotionally with stuff and then it leads to addiction yeah etc etc um so yeah yeah it it was good i i I'm, I'm glad that we spent the time doing it i i really liked how it how it paced itself and i'm glad that it's over and i don't want it's great because it's one of those ones you don't want to see any more of it right i got a great story and i'm done and and we don't have a whole lot of those. A lot of things want to be made into series these days. So I'm glad sure. that one's a, a one and done. Hey, did you see uh, the new trailer for, or guest trailer or announcement of stuff for Strange New Worlds that they're 
in production now moving to sci-fi i i did see that news that they're that they're starting principal photography so i don't know what that means we'll probably get episodes in 2022 yeah and if that at early but uh yeah that that makes me a little sad they're not uh cbs or paramount is not um is not quite up to the pace of of disney plus with their every couple weeks uh tv show which is not you know it's not really fair there was a decent lull between endgame and or uh, uh spider-man far from home and um wandavision true but but we in in the middle there we had an entirely new network come up out of off the, off the ground right and and a pandemic right so <laughs> right right yeah I, I i actually i think i was stunned yesterday by looking at um marvels i was looking at marvel's release schedule actually it was today i think yeah and and just blown away and, and i know they've had a year of things backlogging and working but but still their release schedule was delayed a year but they haven't condensed things so it's not like they pushed it squeezed it all one into one year they just pushed things back so this year's release schedule with the exception of black widow uh is their same release schedule they would have had last year actually it did include black widow last year um so that they're not like pushing things together. And I'm just amazed at the amount of things that they're having back to back to back. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I like how, wow, that's, that's crazy. And I, I, I mean, it's for the next two years, it's going to be that way. And it's, it's, a, it's not necessarily that they're having more movies because their movies are what, like two a year still, something like that, maybe three at most. Right. Um, right. But they're, but fill, doing these fillers in between with, you know, Disney plus is kind of crazy. You know, it's it's definitely makes Disney Plus a I almost have to subscribe type thing. Um, unlike, you know, I don't know they're who's there besides Netflix. They, their competition would be going forward. Um, uh, HBO Max maybe with you know movies as as far as exclusives, yeah, right? Exclusives. Yeah, yeah. There's stuff on Netflix. There's stuff on Prime. There's stuff on Hulu. Yeah, they 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 right? have spread out. They have um. Oh, uh, what is it? Um, changed CBS All Access's name, right? To pa- yeah. Paramount. Paramount Plus. It seems so weird. That isn't. They haven't have they really been out this way like two, three years. Is that that whole service and they go rebrand it? It's weird. Yeah, I that sort of baffled me. Uh, somebody in our Discord, I think it might have been uh, Geek Scholar Chris. Uh, suggested that the Paramount brand is the movie brand, right? Yeah. Where where CBS is is the television, right? CBS mm-hmm. Sports, uh, yeah. you know, CBS Morning Cartoons or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so, if you're going to have a service that people are going to pay for that's going to compete with Netflix and Disney, you want to be associated with movies, not TV shows. Even if you do have TV shows, like Netflix is now known for binge watching TV shows, but it started as a movie DVD rental uh, service, right? right. Like a, a, the flicks, right? A flick right. is a, is a slang or whatever um, colloquialism for movie. Right. Um, so that sort of makes sense. It's a little weird that they're borrowing the plus just like Disney. Yeah. They straight um, up borrowed, ripped off the plus from Disney. Right. Um, but it's whatever it's, yeah, I mean, I, I, I felt I that CBS, CBS was still All Access. subscribable for 
for um, Star Trek stuff. It's the only thing I could think of that was. Yeah, and that's and that's got to be. I mean, we watched um, we watched The Stand on that, but it wasn't. All right. I mean, it wasn't bad, but there was nothing that great about it to recommend subscribing a whole oh yeah a whole service although we did the same thing at least i did with hbo for raised by wolves and wonder woman 84 and both of those i was like i didn't need to pay for hbo for these yeah Um, you know hbo max is is there's i was just reading an article about it's almost one of those warner has to have it a must succeed type venture the way they're they're doing stuff um, yeah, that they really, really, really do because of their simultaneous release with theaters, and right. it's looking the outlook for theaters for 2021 is looking like a smooth curve upward for attendance happening as the vaccine starts rolling out and the the, mm. the, the world starts to become slowly coming back out into the world and things open up. Um, right. That they, I mean, we're still having things like. Um, uh, Raya the Last Dragon is, you know, the big Disney movie and it only made two million dollars in a weekend, which so that's we're not coming anywhere close yet to to, to movie theaters no, being no. but there are I think that a lot I mean, of you've, theaters you've gone a couple times, but I've I've not been in a theater since except for our private showing of of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like that was the first time I've been to the theater since Sonic. Yeah. Last yeah. February. Yeah, I think I think when I go now it's it's it looks February. like it's at the 40% capacity or close to it, um, which is actually pretty good considering a lot of times I would still go to movie theaters before that had been out for several weeks and there's only a couple of people in the theater and now they're 40% is still, you know, a good, a good amount of people. Um, but anyway, I, the release schedule for movies for studios are looking a lot more like, Hey, we can probably do this. Like we, you know, holding off was maybe a good idea instead of just straight up releasing everything on to, to, to video, which is a big gamble that Warner Brothers has made, is that they're straight up releasing it to, to the HBO Max. So if it fails, they will not be making a lot of movie on their movies, nor on their streaming service. Um, so that's a, yeah. that's a, a big risk. And and HBO has a has a track record of making stuff that people want to watch even if it's sometimes a little bit trashy like uh game of thrones um uh, uh true blood silicon valley um, true 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 they they, they uh, need to they uh, need to true have detective some more they need to have some more yeah. they really do need some i'm using air quotes killer apps if, if they if yeah. they could come out now and like they at one se- one year or two they closed down veep they closed down Silicon Valley. They closed down a lot of these shows all at once. Uh, Game of Thrones wrapped right at the same time, and they lost everything and didn't have a replacement, which is really weird because they have the Game of Thrones franchise, and I know they're making another one, but it's taking, feels like decades, you know, to, to make another one. Yeah. I mean, they ended that. They they burned bridges with fans when they ended that series. Yeah, and, and in that it, time, they've, right? made, like, they've made... It wasn't... It wasn't lost, but it was. It ended pretty badly, right? In and, terms of and fan in, in the in the meantime, that Game of Thrones ended, and now they're putting out another series. The time it took them to end a Game of Thrones series, and whenever they're going to put out another one, Disney has made two seasons of The Mandalorian, WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. They're just made tons and tons and tons of shows in between 
that and that. Right. 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 And, and you know, why, why go over there when you can come over here and watch things that are regularly pushed out? And that's yeah. just Marvel yeah. stuff. Well, yeah, that's just Marvel. While HBO, you know, let Ridley Scott spend a bunch of money on a weird alien AI show that had no point and yeah. was just confusing. I, I will say they that was probably one of those where they, they took a chance and maybe sure maybe should have looked at the I other mean, aliens movies and realized that they it's it's movie. it's ridley scott right like he has a name for you know making things that are a little bit niche but very popular in that niche like yeah. all the people who like alien better than aliens yeah um and all of that but yeah yeah well you know who knows? we'll have to see what the future comes i i'm a little unlike 2020 i'm a little excited about this year's movie going stuff i um I did watch. I said I watched uh, Raya, the Last Dragon. I didn't watch it on opening night, and I watched it in the middle of the week. But we watched it. Um, Is it Raya or Raya? Raya, Raya. It's spelled R A Y A. I keep saying Raya. It's Raya. But it's the it's last Asian. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Okay. They pronounce it Raya, the Last Dragon. Um, Raya. But. Um, and and it was a good show, and and I. But I, the thing is, the important part is I didn't feel bad or worried or nervous or anything about going to the theater and watching it like i, I didn't at all you know whereas before i'd be like oh man i'm gonna pull up a parking lot and if it's full then i'm i'm not gonna i don't want to be around all these you know, people am i going to be in this room mm. okay mm-hmm. you know but knowing that i've been to a couple now and i'm always so far away from anyone you know that it would take a miracle for somebody eating their popcorn to give me covid that far away with the the ac blaring down right um, yeah, yeah, and I and I take a heck of a lot more risks every time I go to Kroger to get groceries uh, with, the, with the people <laughs> sure. who who have their nose sticking out of the masks walking right by me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So so it, anyway, that that they're p- watching those shows and make that watching that show in there and feeling totally fine with it makes me feel happy about going out. I think a lot of people, other people, are feeling that way too. Obviously, in bigger cities, it's different. That's where they need to to make their money. Um, but as countries like China start to open up even more aggressively um i'm sure theater the theaters will will come back in their own way and we'll see if warner brothers and their their you know gamble pays off with hbo max um and and that Mm -hmm. stuff so yeah this is thursday we're gonna watch uh that justice league show or at least one of them i think i think this one's part of it i'm not sure I think it's all one thing. I don't. Is know it all it... one thing? Oh, I thought it was released in. Oh, maybe maybe it's in installments. I feel like it kind of has to be, but yeah, I think yeah. I think I, I don't know th- that the press review was that they showed them all four hours. Um, they, or okay. they give them they give them to review all four hours. Um, but yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's, it's weird. Um, I mean, I'm not I'm not hating on it or anything. It's just I've seen the original Justice League and it's just fine. And I don't know how Zack Snyder will make fine any better. So, yeah. Yeah. The I, only thing, the only thing positive to to maybe expect is a is a consistent tone, but that consistent tone is not a tone that I care about. So. Right. Exactly. Right. Uh, and we'll and see. the thing actually we'll that I the highlights that's well said, Dennis. I think that uh, the the thing that I did like that was highlights about Justice League were the light, more lighthearted moments that I saw here and there that Joss Whedon put in uh, and the little yeah, you know, for sure. Superman smiling 
is the key one, right? Making a little joke in the middle of, of yeah. fighting, right? I I want to see. I want to see them let Joss Whedon make the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, right. Then we get a whole more light, lighthearted on the whole thing. Now, now we're going to take all that stuff out and make it dour and sour. And I'm like, well, that was that was the worst parts of this movie. Right. Um, so now right. we're going to take that out and just show more of it. Um, okay. It'll, I guess it'll be okay. I don't want to hate on it. it. Maybe it's fantastic and I'll be excited. But um, I'd rather see a new... DC movie instead of a take on, on a you know I don't know we'll see it we'll we'll, we'll look watch it this week or this week and we'll see it yeah yeah we'll see speaking of which uh, also Falcon the Winter Soldier comes out that's cool uh, mm-hmm. trailers yep. look excited pretty, about that pretty good for that it's, it's gonna we um yeah. I th- I think I've mentioned over the last couple months we uh had my mom watch The Office which yeah. she was hesitant to watch did she for did years she like years, that was but... she again good do you watch it all uh, they're very close to the end. I think they're saving the last couple episodes for some, I mean, maybe for some of us to watch them together. Cause okay. the like season eight and nine are very much a chore to get through. And then yeah. they stick the landing, but yeah. it takes a while to get there. Right. But that's when Andy uh, is in boss, the, right? Yeah. He's boss for part of the time. But cool. in the wake of that, my, um, my younger siblings have decided that mom should watch the marvel movies Oof. which you know i've i've said many times uh mom doesn't like anything unrealistic as far Oof. as like sci-fi <laughs> or fantasy um she she likes unrealistic people in in uh, romantic comedies but not like people flying and superpowers and spaceships and stuff like why that. when the world would they uh, want her to watch this then i don't know but um <laughs> You know, we we also have my uh, my nieces who love the Marvel movies. I don't know if they've seen all of them. There are a couple. They're still pretty young, and so there are a couple that are uh, pretty dark for mm. for kids to watch. But it was kind of like when um, I talked to my sister because they had all seen um, Star Wars and they were very excited. They had lightsaber toothbrushes and stuff like that (laughs) and i said something about lord of the rings and she said no they haven't seen lord of the rings yet and i was like oh how can you watch star wars but not well okay i guess it's a lot more scary um (laughs) with like orcs and golem and and stuff like that i forget you know i'm not a parent so i don't know i don't think it's also more intellectual i think than some of the things that's true it's more of a thinking um story but uh yeah, we went through this thing of like uh my sister, my youngest sister, um was going to go through the movies chronologically by story. Okay. And my brother Andrew was like, "No, you absolutely can't do that. Like if you watch we did start last night with um Captain America, First Avenger." Yeah. And I thought this is fine because if there's one of these movies that is going to be the most accessible to a non-comic book fan, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's Captain America. I agree. 1. I agree. Yeah. Um, it does still have you know some magic sort of stuff, but not really much more than like Indiana Jones. Yeah, maybe maybe more than Indiana Jones, but like yeah. the bad guys are Nazis, so it's real easy yeah. Yeah. to understand who's who. Your hero is a is a World War Two 
soldier, mm-hmm. you know, want, wannabe kind of guy. Yeah. Um, it was it was fun for me to watch because I've said before that almost all the Marvel movies I've only seen once, mm-hmm. and a lot of them I saw when they were still pretty new. Like I saw Iron Man in theaters, right? Um, when I was in college. No, I wasn't in college then, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, I saw it in the theater. Um, and so for me to watch them again and see like some of the early, not necessarily foreshadowing, but like stuff they did early on that they do callbacks to later, right? Where Cap gets back up and he's, I could do this all day. Right. Like that becomes part of his, his trademark. Like whatever happens to him, you know, you see the end from the beginning. So when you're watching Endgame and like, his arm is broken because he's trying to fight Thanos hand to hand. And then you go all the way back to the beginning, like before any of this happened to him. And he was just this shrimpy little guy getting beat up by a bully in an alley. Right. He's he all the way back then would take a hit and get back up. Yeah. That's just the core of his personality. Wait, I thought um, that was Captain Marvel. You got the right captain? I'm not sorry. 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 <laughs> they yeah, they both do the standing up, yeah, but yeah. it's a little it's a little subtler. Yeah, yeah. Uh uh with Yeah, and you you, you kind of have that. I I really enjoy the first Captain America. It's such a it, we talked about Catan and games like that being gateways to things. I think it is a perfect the way that does it is a perfect way to to and build you into this comic book world. Yeah, and it's and it's historical, right? My parents like a lot of um, what I call costume dramas, like history mm-hmm. uh, kind of thing. It's got all the World War II, '40s aesthetic. There's a there's a kind of almost love story happening with him and Peggy. Mm-hmm. Well, we um, know a hundred percent love story, but right, that's the right, end right. Ends, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's after. Yeah, and so. To see, so anyway, we watched that, and then uh, tonight we start because after that movie, I was like, "We, you can't jump around." Like somewhere, somewhere in the middle, here is is the Captain Marvel story because that happens in the nineties, and I'm like, "You can't watch that before knowing all of this other stuff." You really, you just have to watch them in order. Yeah, you know, and I, so I think it was something about that too is that, for example, Samuel L. Jackson. Let's just say he, he's a prominent character in Captain Marvel, right? And it's right. kind of important that for the first couple Marvel movies you watch him, he's mysterious and you don't know about this guy, right? Like he his his whole persona is that he walks in, he's cool, but he's in charge and he's ominous, right? But if you've seen him as the guy that's messing with the cat the whole time, that's just a sidekick buddy, it totally changes his character at that point in time. Whereas when when he was introduced, when you saw him do that in Captain Marvel, You've you've built up a relationship over you know six movies with him, where you feel comfortable enough to see him as a buddy cop person, but still think of him as cool. If you showed it out of order, it would mess things up. I think, right? Yeah, it just just wouldn't have yeah. the same impact. Um, yeah, yeah, that, no, that, that's cool. It's 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 fun to 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 go back and watch some of those. Actually, I heard you kind of talking a little bit about that today, and I was like, it made me want to go have nostalgic and go watch for some of those shows. I think the neatest thing, hopefully, you can have a look at your mom when she, if she's hopefully get her to watch the the show at the ending. I'm sure she'll watch the ending. Good. Uh, when that tag happens, is a pretty big thing 
in viewers who just like the Captain Marvel thing that helped pull them into the MCU. The tag is when, you know, he thinks he's in a, a hospital in 1940, whatever. And then he runs out and then he's in New York City. And it makes you, it, it all of a sudden brings you as a person who's watching a period piece into the real world. And you're like, oh my God, how do I deal with my idea of a period piece now being in a modern day, right? That's yeah. a whole yeah. thing. I th- I think... Now, I said I saw Iron Man in theaters, and we started that one tonight. I left about two-thirds of the way through to come down and, and record the show, and so I might go back and finish it mm-hmm. later. But seeing seeing some of the foreshadowing, like the early stages of his relationship with Pepper mm-hmm. and how she makes the first draft of the of the arc reactor into a, a sort of a ward under glass mm-hmm. and you know knowing where the, like oh that's I, gonna I suck think I, when you see that and you know how it ends up oh. i know how end game is coming like right. he they they pick him up in the desert and they're like what are you and he's like well call a press conference but before that i want a cheeseburger and oh. I'm like, oh, this is a cheeseburger. <laughs> right oh. yeah good good callbacks yeah it's it's those things you know it's watching these shows that makes end game poignant right that that Sure. Like you said, those yeah. things like cheeseburgers and Tony Stark has a heart, and uh, it's it's not just the characters that you can watch quickly. It's some of these little nuanced and pieces that even even though it's the it's the first roadie, it's not it's not Don Cheadle, but John Favreau is there, mm-hmm. like just in the background. You barely see him, in, you know, throughout the he's not invisible, but like you just see him, you know, in a handful of scenes, and he doesn't do a lot, but. I'm like, oh, it's happy. It's happy, right? <laughs> yeah, the 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 uh, yes. There's there's a lot of, of shows that are, or shows a lot of the movies that that don't have big impacts. Maybe just all their their function is to introduce characters, but other ones mm-hmm. do have moments like like just like you mentioned, I could do this all day type thing that is important to make to watch for anything with Captain America in it whatsoever. That you that you have that reinforced you know, all, all the time. Um, whereas, you know, it's good to know about Ant-Man and where he gets his stuff, but his movie doesn't have impact on anything bigger picture at all. Right. No, it's just, it's just his origin. And I think we're going to probably watch almost all of them, mm-hmm. but there are a couple of those that I'm, you know, considering my audience as I always do when I'm it's trying smart. to recommend stuff. That's, I'm like, that's really smart. I'm like, she'll, you know, I know she'll like Cap One, and she'll probably like Ant Man just because of Paul Rudd. Yeah, and and he's he's very likable. Yeah, you 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 can just do that gauge out what how her responses are to them, and you know see see what she thinks, and because you know it's it's the MCU they all kind of come together. And if you can get through, if you can get through the gateway drugs of Iron Man, Captain America, and Thor, and then Avengers. Actually, I think Iron Man, Captain America, and Thor. If you can get through those, I think that you're you're set. I, I really do. I think that those mm-hmm. three set up everything about the MCU, not just the characters themselves, but the fact that there's space involved, that there that there's this magical thing, that there's science stuff. You know. Yeah, I think I think Thor is going to be the first big challenge. Yeah, yeah. Thor, Thor. I'll tell you what, though. Thor one handles it very well because at the very beginning they go hardcore sci-fi. 
like in the in the entry when Odin is talking, he talks about the Vikings and they shows the Vikings and then they go to Asgard and it's this completely different movie thing you ever watched of all the other Marvel movies that are very grounded. And Thor comes in and then within I think fifteen minutes, Thor gets ousted and sent back to to Earth and then you're in you're back to a normal Marvel movie that you've been used to in the other two movies. Oh right 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 and and you're that for you're that for most all of the rest of the movie. Um, so, and, and that's when you start to like Thor, you've, you know, you, you, you get this, you know, son missing his father type stuff. And it helps that, that the, um, the space weird sci-fi kind of parts has, um, uh, what's the Odin actor's name? Um, he's Hannibal Lecter. What's his oh, um, uh, uh, shoot. Um, Anthony Hopkins. Anthony, it's, yeah, it helps that those scenes have him in it. So even if you're not a fan of those kind of things, you have him in every one of those scenes that are weird sci-fi. Sure. So sure. so you you have that to ground it a little bit. But you're right. Thor, Thor is probably a thing. If you can get past that first couple scenes when he sends back to gets back to Earth, things get, you know, things come back home to the Marvel type stuff. Um, which again, I I think is very brilliant because Marvel needed. With their whole long goal plan of doing the Infinity Gauntlet, Infinity Wars, they had to somehow introduce, you know, the this this whole idea of fan, very fantastic characters, and they did it kind of like a band aid rip off, and then took you back. I thought, wow, that was you know, hindsight sure. now. Yeah. Like, well, well yeah. done. Um, and, they, and then eventually they leap you right into the Guardians of the Galaxy, which is done. But yeah, we we talk about MCU all day long. And how well they do. True, true. Uh, cool. So next week, we like I said, we're going to watch uh, Falcon the Winter Soldier and some Justice League. I'm sure we'll have some things to say about those. Yeah. Um, do we want to pick up a movie of any kind? Oh, we didn't really talk too much about movies. Oh, I didn't, I didn't say that. I know I have, a, Go ahead. I have a couple others from last year that Fox recommended, but I don't know anything about them. Okay. <laughs> this is one of those Oscar movies again. He loves those things. I think it was just his like what were the best movies of 2020 um that he thinks will will get a lot of attention. So yeah, they are a little bit of um which they they are those are almost always good. We we've talked about Oscars and awards again. I think I think if you watch a lot of the Oscar nominated shows and stuff, they are genuinely usually really good films they i mean you know I, I i wouldn't watch the piano and say it was a terrible movie right um, right they're, they're just generally not something we would see which is kind of a topic on itself that you would it gets news oh, out of these is, of these movies that maybe this should is be not seen. showing me uh, yeah so um, i'm not really sure so you, you do you have a recommendation I, I should have looked into this before uh before we started recording, but um let's see. You know what's coming up real soon? That might be a movie theater show for me. Next week is Godzilla versus King Kong. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um let's see. I have this Tolkien movie which got kind of mixed reviews. Um Yeah, we talked about watching that. There's a, a Violet Evergarden movie, um, which I've been meaning to watch, but have not. 
that Lego, no, not Lego. That Star Wars Christmas movie. Didn't we? Oh, we did watch that. We watched that. Not the old one. That new. Yeah. Oh, I watched. It, it. is. It I, is Lego. I, I watched you it, watched it. Yeah. Okay, we're kind of past Christmas. For that. <laughs> yeah. Um, might be past that one. It, it was a good Christmas. It was a good kids' Christmas movie. The holiday special thing. Right. Um. What. What. Um. What did you just say is coming out? Oh, the oh, King Kong thing. King Kong. Um, That's next. Not this Thursday, but but next Thursday. Next Thursday. Oh, we'll have the we'll have the Justice thing, Justice League thing to talk about next week. So I don't think we need anything new. Yeah. That'll be enough. I'll I'll watch some more. Uh, I'll watch some more Last Kingdom, and we can talk about that. Sure, sure. Cool, man. All right. Cool. Let's. Uh, as as always, having few topics, we end up running long. <laughs> um, all right. You've been listening to Front Porch's episode 186. Uh, special thanks, as always, to our friends at Geek Scholars Movie News and LRM Online. Um, if you want to reach out to us, tell us something, some movie you think we should watch and talk about, uh, you can reach us via email at frontporchpod at gmail.com or go to our website, frontporchpodcast.com, and use contact forms there. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoy the show, uh, consider giving us a review. That always helps. Um, as always, thanks so much for joining us. Till next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. For the Front Porch. All right, everybody. See you next time.